Hey everybody, it's JT. What is on your holiday meal shopping list? Well, I would suggest Painted Hills Natural Beef. It is some of the best beef in the world. And your friends and family will be thanking you for a long time if you serve Painted Hills Natural Beef for your holiday meals. And now you can buy it online just by going to PaintedHillsBeef.com. Use the code BBQNATION at checkout and save yourself 15% on your order. Give Painted Hills Natural Beef a place on your table this holiday season. This is Barbecue Nation After Hours, the conversation that took place after the show ended. Hey everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Hey, everybody. Welcome to After Hours here on Barbecue Nation. I'm JT, along with Leanne Whippen, and today we're talking with Robert Moss. Robert F. Moss. How's that? That's good. I I got that right. (laughs) (laughs) Don't get confused with that Australian guy. Yeah, Yeah. that that guy's got white hair and looks like he died four years ago. Anyway, (laughs) um, he probably listens to the show. He probably does. They, They love barbecue down there. Some of my biggest markets are in Australia truthfully in the podcast world anyway we were talking about uh, corporate uh versus mom and pops and then uh you know and leanne kind of touched on this too which was my next question about regional chains versus two shop locals i give the uh i give the example of a guy uh um lives up in seattle that had um a barbecue store on the south end COVID hit, some of the smaller restaurants in downtown Seattle closed their doors. He went and turned them into ghost kitchens, still cooking everything in in what they call Soho, which is down towards where the football team and the um, baseball team play. And then he would cart it every every day, would send one of his vans up to into downtown Seattle and they would sell it and they could phone in their orders. They limited supply. But at least the people that were still going to work or lived in that area could still get fresh barbecue every day. Uh, we've seen that a lot, but in different parts of the country now, things are opening up. So um, that's changed a little bit. Uh, are, is that a good business model for barbecue, those, uh, those ghost kitchens? Or is it just something that kind of was trending for a while and is going to go away? Predictions, you two. Uh, ghost kitchens, I think, are still um, progressing, and <clears throat> it, it's a, you got to understand it's an avenue for a restaurant who say selling New Orleans style food, but they can have a ghost kitchen with barbecue, so they have dollars still coming in <clears throat> without the full service overhead. So it's an opportunity for some of these restaurant tours um, to make more money. Um, I, I think barbecue is always about an experience at a restaurant. So, I mean, from that point of view, no, but I, I think there's a place for barbecue ghost kitchens. Cool. Yeah, I'm still, I'm a little bearish <laughs> myself on, on the, the future of ghost kitchens as I think they'll be around. I don't think they're going to disappear. I think the delivery services will still play a function. And, and as you say, they, that can be a nice little added revenue stream. But it goes down back to what you said, which is the experience of a barbecue restaurant. I think that, you know, people love going and hanging out. I think that what you're seeing with uh, increasingly is barbecue places that are sort of combo indoor and outdoor that, you know, that tend to have large 
patios or grassy areas, picnic tables and, and things like that. So I think that that's going to counterbalance the, the COVID era uh, tendency to, to want to do delivery. I mean, barbecue is always a, a good a good food for delivery because compared to other, a lot of other types of foods, it holds up well. You can you know, take a takeout of a pound of barbecue or whatever and take it home and eat, you know, eat it 30 minutes or an hour later and it's still pretty good. But I, I do think you lose out on that, that experiential aspect mm-hmm. that it's always been, I think, so important for barbecue. So that leads me to another question. I don't know if you guys have seen the ads on TV, but Domino's, perhaps not the world's greatest pizza chain, but <laughs> probably the world's most successful piece, pizza chain, I'm guessing. They went out and bought <clears throat> a ton of uh, gift cards and coupons for other local mom and pop restaurants because the um, the food delivery services uh you know, they were just killing them on the percentages that they were charging and it was killing their bottom line. And that's the whole preface of the television commercial, but it's Mm. actually true. So uh, I find that interesting because to me, um, but me, that's just me. I would always go get my own food. I would never do a delivery service. When my daughter lived in Seattle in New York, she used those services, but it ended up, uh, you know, a $10 hamburger ended up costing her 23 bucks. So uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on those. Well, I can appreciate what they're doing, <clears throat> but, um, and I, I don't understand this whole delivery service thing uh, because they're taking 30%. Most people that are making money in a restaurant are not going to make money off that. To me, it's, you know, they say, oh, well, you're going to get customers that you wouldn't have gotten before, or, you know, this is extra money, but um, it really is somewhat of a wash with the delivery services. You know, the gift cards might temporarily help out, but um, there needs to be a company and I would like to be (laughs) that company uh, that can do it and only take 10%. (laughs) Yeah. I've written a lot about the the delivery (laughs) services and I just don't think the model works on any side of the equation. Um, I feel like in a lot of ways, it's sort of like Groupon was uh, a while Mm -hmm. back, which is people would do Groupons because it seemed like a good deal at first to get additional traffic into the restaurant, but then you realize those, weren't loyal customers. They, they, you didn't make much money off of them. There's no way you, as a restaurateur, you can make 30%. Uh, you can you can no. do it with a 30% haircut. Uh, if you look back pre-pandemic, a lot of the pitch from the delivery services to, the, to restaurants was you can add additional sales without adding more staff, without having to, you know, it's just sort of like free additional money, which works if that is just what it is, a little extra bonus. But once it becomes a significant part of business now, you know, restaurants are having to put up whole counters and have people whose entire jobs it is to pack things up for delivery and everything else. Yeah. So it's, it's no longer found money. And like the takeout like products alone are so expensive with gas going up. So you have oh, yeah. all of, yeah. you know, all the to go items that cost so much just to pack it up. Yeah. Um, yeah. And on the flip side, none of the delivery companies are making money. If you look at their annual quarterly and annual reports, they're all bleeding, hemorrhaging money mm-hmm. with no sign of ever being profitable. So the only reason they're making it is they're really, you know, or, or, or they're they're subsidizing the business to drive revenue. So it doesn't look like they're ever going to get to a model where they can go from 30% to 10% haircut. Mm-hmm. They can't make money at 30%. So mm-hmm. I just don't, I, I don't see long-term how it's going to be, you know, 
a major part of the, of the restaurant industry. I, I think it will fade out and become more of a niche specialty thing. Even, but would you say, and I, and I don't know the, the functions of this, but with the delivery service model, they're guaranteeing their drivers so much. Uh, and then the drivers can get tips. I'm assuming mm-hmm. where I live, you know, your delivery service is a guy with a Ford F-250 pickup. That's the dogs are only on one side of the cab. You know what I mean? So um, they're charging the restaurants. There's a fee to the person. And then there's a tip on top of that. So there's really no reason unless they're, unless their um, labor costs or delivery costs are so high that they shouldn't be making money on that to, in my simpleton mind. Well, I think there's a lot of marketing. There's a lot of technology overhead. There's just a lot of, uh, uh, you know, a lot of expense to it. Insurance. Insurance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, and there's, there's a lot of risk too, because right now they're sort of like Uber and everyone else is they're, they're making their, their labor force as independent contractors. And there's a lot of, um, you know, move in, in reg- government regulations to, to try to make those people uh, be treated more like full-time employees things like insurance, you know, they have yeah. to cover them. So I don't see those. Uh, yeah. Even with what seems to be like a lightweight cost model. Now they aren't making money. I don't see the cost going down any, anytime right. soon. In fact, I see them going up on, on the company. So I'd be, uh, you know, it's one thing to get scale and then to be able to, you know, you know, squeeze out a lot of the cost because you're, because you're so efficient once you get to scale, but if they aren't scale yet with the considering how many, you know, how omnipresent delivery is now, it's hard to imagine there being more delivery cars on the road, uh, Mm -hmm. increasing scale beyond where, where they are today. Yeah. I just, uh, you know, I'll, I'll trust the old independent pizza store. That's got its own guy named Bob with a, you know, Mm -hmm. with a caprice or something that's (laughs) driving. He's got the little thing on top of the roof and you know, he's there Mm -hmm. when he pulls in, but the, but the rest of them, uh, I don't know. I just, I think it's one of those things where people saw an opportunity and they tried to do it and they raised money and they were going to do it. And then, but they didn't think it through very well. That's yeah. just. And I think there has been a ton of money of, of uh, venture and private equity money pouring into that market. So if you had a good story, you could get billions of dollars in investment, but, yeah. um, but turning that into a, a long, long-term profitable business may, is, is going to be a different challenge. Absolutely. So. Where are we going to be in a couple of years in barbecue? Where do you think we're headed? Let's just say COVID is put to a place where we can all deal with it because it's probably never going to go away and completely. So we've figured out how to do stuff and we're doing that right now. But where is the world of barbecue going to be 2024, 2025? I think you're going to see a lot more restaurants opening. Yeah. Um, I think the perception is that it's um, a less costly restaurant to operate, which not necessarily is true, but um, I mean, it's the American way. And (laughs) I don't know. I think it's going to continue to grow. And I think you're going to get some really good players in the market. There's going to be some strong competition out there. And, you know, just like L.A., I think you're going to see it pop up more heavily in areas that just didn't have it before. And um, 
I mean, even in Portland, is there a great barbecue in Portland? I know there's a few places, but yeah, it isn't there's, really, there's not a strong presence. I think that there's a, I think it's going to expand more throughout the country in the next few years. Yeah, there's in the Portland, Vancouver area, there's more now than there was five years ago. Uh, but then some of those people that started, they, they didn't have any experience in the restaurant business and they just thought they could cook. And I'm being a smart ass, but that's my mm-hmm. job. They just thought they could cook a good rack of ribs or a brisket. So they opened a restaurant and some of these people came from other industries. There's one guy I know I interviewed him one time. He was an engineer and he, he had a very successful engineering career, uh, but he loved barbecue. So he went to Texas and took a barbecue course at A&M or something, came home, opened this restaurant. When I went in there, he spent a lot of money on decor and, and all this all the accoutrements of this, but the barbecue was average at best. Okay. He's gone now. That restaurant is boarded up and I'm going to, I'm going to hazard a guess that just to get the doors open, he probably spent three quarters of a million bucks Mm -hmm. just to do that. And it's gone now. Um, We have some other ones that a couple of young guys up in Vancouver called smoke and Oak. They've done a tremendous job. Um, one of the guys comes from Texas. They're both under 40. They, they work hard. Uh, smokers are out front. Um, even when COVID hit their business went from in-house dining exploded into takeout. I mean, they just, they were almost working harder doing the takeout because there was such a demand for it than they were when it was, you know, in-house dining. So, but is there room for more here? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, most people don't think of the Portland area as a large metropolitan area, but we've got between Portland, and Vancouver, we've got a couple million people. So there you go. You know, mm-hmm. can't service all those um, with, you know, one rib shack, so to speak. Yeah, I think barbecue will just continue. I, I agree to to get bigger and bigger. Yeah, you know, I, I ten years ago I may have been a little little less optimistic about it, but but now it just the, the momentum just seems to be growing behind it. There's more money behind it. Um, the restaurants are becoming more professional operations. I think by and large, bigger, larger scale operations, both from the chains, but also from what I call the well-funded independents. I think you'll see a lot more variety in barbecue. Um, it was interesting, Daniel Vaughn, uh, when he did his top 50 uh, barbecue joint oh, yeah. list just recently <laughs> for Texas Monthly, is talking about how just making really good slices of brisket is doesn't is doesn't separate you from the crowd anymore it's yeah. like everybody makes a great you know a great brisket so now everyone's having to do something new and different so i think you'll see a lot of variation experimentation as each restaurant tries to do something to differentiate themselves to stand out on social media which is increasingly driving stuff and have those big wow plates and uh to bring all the those fusion elements we we're talking about into into barbecue so I don't know what it'll look like, but I think it'll be very different and very and and, and bigger and, and even more diverse in, in five years than it is now. It'll be fun for us. Yes, well, I definitely <laughs> think there should be a lot of good things to eat. Yeah. 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 And I can expand my universe, you know. Right. I, I don't think it needs too much more expansion. It, it, need, it needs to kind of get part of it 
to go into the black hole and not come out. Anyway, um, Robert, it's been great. Again, tell us about your book really quick and when it's going to be out. Yeah, the book is called The Lost Southern Chefs, and it'll be out uh, February 15th. It's from the University of Georgia Press, but you can get it uh, Amazon or any of your favorite booksellers near you. Uh, At least you can within a month or so. And you've got my address, right? For my I, I, I sure oh, and, do. And a happy Valentine's Day to me. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. I'll write that down. <laughs> okay. So are well, you doing a lot of traveling, Robert? Are you just sitting tight? Uh, as of now, sitting tight. I was out and traveling. I had a very busy festival season from, say, May till uh, through November uh, of this past year. I was traveling a good bit, helped host a barbecue festival here in Charleston. And now uh, I don't have anything booked yet for 2022. It's hard sitting and it's well, hard to book watching, things when they're going to yes. fall apart, right? Yeah. Watching and waiting. I'm hopefully we'll get back out there when the weather warms up. But I'm anticipating just sort of sitting tight for uh, you know through the winter at least. Yeah. There you go, Robert. Thank you, Leanne. Thank you. As always, my dear, we'll be back next week with another edition of After Hours here on Barbecue Nation. Until then. Um, Turn it, don't burn it, and go out and be nice out there. Would you people be nice to each other? Take care. <laughs>